If you're enjoying this podcast and it's helping your writing, then come study with me and my faculty. You can attend in New York City, live, online, or one-on-one as part of our ProTrack mentorship program, which pairs you with a professional writer. And if you're writing for TV or web, make sure to check out my first ever pilot weekend, November 10th through 11th. We're going to be spending all day Saturday analyzing hit shows and learning how to apply lessons of structure and engine to your own TV pilots. And then the second day on Sunday, learning how to pitch your show in all different forms, verbal and written. Hi, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. On this podcast, rather than reviewing films, two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we look at them in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We look at good movies and bad movies, movies that we loved and movies that we hated. This week, we're going to be talking about Black Klansmen by Spike Lee, Charlie Wachtel, David Rabinowitz, and Kevin Wilmot. When I first went out to see Black Klansmen, my hope was that I was going to be able to do a podcast about how to write a movie for political change, to talk about the confluence of race and politics and storytelling and history. But my experience of Black Klansmen led me to an even more important topic, the role of truth in adapting a true life story, and how running towards or away from that truth can impact the overall experience of your screenplay. Like always in his script for Black Klansman, Spike Lee has a lot of very interesting things to say about race and politics, particularly about how the white supremacy movement has taken off the hood and the robe, put on the suit, and made themselves frighteningly presentable to the American public. I think he has a scary message there that's well told, and I think that there are some really transcendent and wonderful moments in this film. But for all the power of its message and all the appeal of its true life premise, the actual execution of Black Klansmen feels shockingly uneven. It kind of bounces between moments of political insight and compelling storytelling, the kind we expect from Spike Lee, and other moments that feel predictable, anticlimactic, heavy-handed, or downright false. What's causing this unevenness in Black Klansmen is a simple problem that many writers fall into when adapting a true life story into a screenplay. So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about how, whether you're writing a political film or a non-political one, how you can avoid falling into some of the traps that get in the way of a really tremendous premise. So let's talk about Black Klansmen. The premise of a black undercover police officer infiltrating the Ku Klux Klan is just about as good of a premise as you can get. And the fact that this actually happened in the 1970s is even cooler. The problem with Black Klansmen isn't in any way its premise. The problem with Black Klansmen is that the writers make the most common mistake when adapting a true life story. Rather than running towards the truth, they instead end up running towards the same old Hollywood elements that we've seen in a million films in this genre. They think this is going to create drama, but instead they end up creating cliché. If you've seen Black Klansmen, think about the moments that really stood out to you, the moments that really matter, the moments that seem too wild to believe but totally compelling. Well, the truth is, a lot of those moments were true. And if you think about the moments that felt a little cliché, a little seen it before, a little familiar, well, you probably won't be too surprised to find out that a lot of those moments weren't true. But there's an even bigger consequence here. By running towards the Hollywood story rather than running towards the truth, Black Klansman misses out on the full potential of its premise, not only structurally, but also politically. 
And I'm not saying that Black Klansman doesn't have a powerful political premise at its center. I'm just suggesting that there's an even more powerful way to deliver it. So let's start with the most Hollywood moment in Black Klansman. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, and without too many spoilers, Ron Stallworth is a black police officer in the 1970s. His only dream is to become an undercover police officer. He's the first black man to become a member of his police department. And of course, he's dealing with a lot of racism, and he's dealing with the pressure of infiltrating both the black power movement and the Ku Klux Klan at the same time. So there's a lot of very interesting stuff happening here. And what makes it most interesting is that this stuff is actually true. There really was a guy named Ron Stallworth. He really was a black policeman in the 1970s. He really did infiltrate the black power movement and he really did infiltrate the Ku Klux Klan. So as soon as you find out that a black police officer is infiltrating the Ku Klux Klan, the first thing you're gonna think is, how the hell did he pull that off? In fact, that's exactly what draws you into Black Klansmen. That's why you buy the ticket. Hold on, there's a true story about a black cop who infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan? I wanna see that movie. I wanna know how he did it. And as soon as you hear the premise, you start telling yourself a story before you even sit down in the theater. Maybe it's an unlikely story about a guy who must be wearing a hood all the time so nobody knows, but you're trying to figure out how how this happened, you want to know. Unfortunately, this presents a challenge in the movie because the way it happens, at least at first glance, just isn't all that dramatic. What actually happened in the true story was that Ron Stallworth sent a postcard to the Ku Klux Klan and they called him back at an unlisted number. And it is true that he developed a phone relationship with David Duke and it is true that the Klan wanted him to join and wanted to meet him. So how is he gonna pull this off? In the movie, what happens is a white cop, Flip, played by Adam Driver, poses as Ron Stallworth and goes and interacts with the Klan for him. So the in-person conversations happen with Flip and the on-the-phone conversations happen with Ron, which raises the question of believability. If he can pass for a Klansman, why doesn't Flip just have these phone conversations as well and make it a whole lot easier? Many critics who haven't actually done their research have pointed at this question as one of the biggest problems of the script. To them, it just doesn't seem credible. But in fact, it's entirely true. So the first problem is the way things really happened doesn't seem credible, even though it is. The second problem is that even if the way things really happened did seem credible, at first glance, it isn't as exciting as the movie you had in your head when you first came to the theater. The moment we hear the premise of Black Klansman, we start imagining something really exciting, a black cop having to interact undercover with the Ku Klux Klan. Instead, we're getting a white cop interacting with the Ku Klux Klan and a black cop on the phone, which true or not, feels like a bait and switch based on what we imagined we were gonna see when we bought our tickets. When writing a true life story, this is a danger that all writers face. Sometimes the truth doesn't seem inherently dramatic. And this leads to a panicked desire to forget about the truth and start making things up. That's usually the wrong decision. Now don't get me wrong, the writers of Black Klansmen are not bad writers. A really bad writer would make an even more problematic decision than these writers made. A really bad writer would send the black cop in to meet with the Ku Klux Klan, get rid of the white cop entirely, and run towards the drama. But pretty soon that really bad writer would find themselves with much bigger problems than the inconvenient truth of who actually met with the Ku Klux Klan. They'd start to realize, having built everything on fiction, 
that each following choice they make is going to open a Pandora's box of credibility issues. Because eventually, both the writer and the audience are going to have to realize the same thing that the real Ron Stallworth had to realize. That there is just no way this guy could pull this off. If you run away from the truth when adapting a true life story, you're going to find your script floating in a completely fictional world and not in the real world at all. And you're going to lose your audience and you're going to lose your character and you're going to lose your instincts that guide you through the writing process. So what a great writer does is ask themselves a different question. How do I make the fact that Ron Stallworth isn't meeting with the clan the coolest thing in the movie? And the way you answer that question is by running towards the truth rather than away from it. Unfortunately, that's not what these writers do either. What these writers do is try to run a middle road. Let's make the white cop Jewish. Let's create a lie detector test. Let's create a lot of suspicion among his new white supremacist friends that maybe he really isn't an aspiring Ku Klux Klan member. Let's try to build some danger. But none of this is true, or at least none of this is confirmed. The identity of the actual white cop is unknown. It's still classified, so no one knows if he's Jewish or not. But Ron Stallworth has been clear in interviews that no, none of these Ku Klux Klan members were especially smart, and none of these Ku Klux Klan members had any suspicion whatsoever that this undercover white cop was anything other than a wholehearted Ku Klux Klan member. Rather than running towards what's really cool and what's really true about this story, the writers have immediately gone to what's quite frankly the easiest solution, the one you'd most expect. Well, since there's no way a black cop could physically infiltrate the Klan, what if it were a Jewish cop? Yeah, that's a lot easier. And what if there was a member that was on to him? Yeah, that would create some drama. Unfortunately, what's easier for you as a writer is rarely better for the story. I think we can all agree the premise of a Jewish cop who might get recognized as Jewish is fine, but it's a lot less exciting than the premise we paid to see of a black guy doing the same thing. What we're served is a lesser version of the same story. More importantly, we're served it in a way that belies credibility. We don't actually understand why this is necessary. And this breaks our suspension of disbelief. A part of our minds can't help but asking, true or not, why is all this necessary? If he's so good at infiltrating in person, why can't the white cop just pick up the damn phone? The shame of this is, in the true life story, there's a darn good reason. Unfortunately, it's left out of the adaptation completely. Here's the truth. When he sent that postcard to the Ku Klux Klan, Ron Stallworth had no idea that this was ever going to lead to a real investigation. In fact, as in the movie, he had signed his real name for real to that postcard because he never expected a call. And once they wanted to meet with him, he didn't know how to deal with it because there actually were no resources in the whole department who were prepared for this. So when suddenly the Ku Klux Klan actually wanted to meet, he had to go beg a favor from an undercover cop from the narcotics division to have that meeting. And then when the Klan wanted to keep on meeting again and again, he had to keep on going back to that guy and begging him for one more favor. The problem was that the undercover narcotics cop had his own investigation going on for that unit. So he didn't actually have time to do this consistently. He didn't actually have time to answer the phone. He didn't even really have time to show up every time the Klan wanted to meet. To make it even more interesting, Ron Stallworth also had his own investigations going. So oftentimes, he didn't have time to answer the phone either. In fact, by the end of the investigation, there were multiple cops having multiple conversations with the same person. There were all these different people all playing the role of Ron Stallworth. 
And that isn't only more dramatic, it's also a hell of a lot more interesting. Because if you think about what it says about the problems of our system, how all the things we have to do, the way we set our priorities, have distracted us from the biggest problems in our society. Well, that's something pretty important to say in a film. And if you think about what it would do dramatically for the film to watch Ron actually deal with the problem of everyone in the department, including himself, having other priorities, you can see how this would serve his journey. If you think about what this would do structurally for the film by putting Ron Stallworth in the impossible predicament of having to replace himself with a white cop in person, and then with another white cop and another white cop and another white cop on the phone, each time knowing it's all gonna fall apart, and each time having them perfectly well accepted by the clan. Well, if you think about that, then you'll see that it not only would make the movie a whole lot more compelling to watch, but also shine an even brighter light on the theme of the film that Spike Lee is working so hard to communicate. How racism can literally blind us from how similar we all actually are. And also how easy it is in our current political climate to get fooled by what we see. This is a film about how the Ku Klux Klan took off the hood and put on the suit, put away the cross and took up the campaign trail. But it's also a film about how easy such an infiltration actually is to accomplish. Whether it's hate groups infiltrating our political system or a bunch of cops infiltrating the Klan, how parroting the right words and carrying the right endorsements can play on our prejudices and make it impossible to see what is right in front of us. How we can't distinguish our friends from our enemies and our enemies from our friends because we can't really see each other because we're only seeing what's on the outside. It's not that the writers of Black Klansmen ran away from this truth. It's just that they failed to run towards it, failed to fully dramatize it, and instead used those precious pages to present all the familiar stuff that Hollywood says you're supposed to do in a movie. Instead of finding the what's cool about what actually happened, what that says about the world, and dramatizing it in the script, the writers found the Hollywood solution, and by doing so, they both undercut the actual theme and also the believability of their own premise. They served up a lesser version of a great idea. So that's the first big departure from the truth, but unfortunately, there's a lot more. Number two, the real Ron Stallworth has basically said about his experience with David Duke on the phone, if you took away all the racism, he was a pretty good conversationalist. In fact, the two of them, over the course of this investigation, actually formed a kind of friendship on the phone. Now that isn't where this movie builds to. This movie builds to the moment where Ron Stallworth finally tells off David Duke. But that isn't what's exciting about the story and it's not what actually happened. Though it is true that Ron had a few laughs at David Duke's expense. What's exciting about the story is that if we could just free ourselves of our prejudices, what that means about who we might actually be able to connect to. If you want to find the other places that Black Klansman runs away from the truth in adapting the true life story, all you have to do is look for the cliches. The weird stuff, the stuff that seems hard to believe, but was just so compelling and specific that you couldn't stop watching it. Yeah, that stuff was true. The familiar stuff, no big surprise, that stuff was false. So here's the next cliche. Ron Stallworth is going to infiltrate the Black Power movement. So as soon as he shows up, of course, he meets a super hot activist leader. So we already know he's going to fall in love with this young hot activist who doesn't know he's undercover. You see it happening from the moment they meet. You're already predicting it and you aren't moved by it. In fact, you don't even fully believe it. And you're not really rooting for the two of them to be together because after all, all she's doing is waxing poetic about politics. And all he's doing is telling her a big old lie. And of course, none of this is true. What actually happened was that he did connect with a leader of this movement, but she was German. And what actually happened was that he was in a committed relationship the whole time. So the love story that the movie is built around is fake. 
it's as fake as it actually feels. Wouldn't it be more interesting to look at Ron Stallworth's real relationship? Wouldn't it be more interesting to look at the roles he has to play as he infiltrates his own people and as he infiltrates the people who hate his people? Wouldn't it be interesting to watch what happens as he develops a friendship rather than the predictable love relationship? And wouldn't it be interesting to look at the roles he has to play with the woman he's in love with? Is she the one person he can be real with or is he undercover with her too? As screenwriters, we want to run towards the truth. Bad screenwriters, bad producers always say the same thing. The truth sucks, you gotta make it up. But these writers and these producers simply lack the confidence in themselves. The confidence that their story matters and that if they're attracted to it, it matters for a reason. That doesn't mean that you're stuck with every detail of the literal truth, but you at least want to run towards that truth. It doesn't mean that you can't use fiction to present the truth in a specific, cool, hyper-focused way. It doesn't mean that you can't exaggerate the truth. It doesn't mean that you can't externalize the internal or come up with great lines of dialogue or create dramatic scenes inspired by the truth that look on the outside what it feels like on the inside. It doesn't mean that you can't compress characters or turn up the volume on the real threat or use the power of storytelling to bring focus to the structure of your character's journey. But you want all of those elements, whenever you can, to grow organically out of the truth, not to be inspired by some crap you saw in other Hollywood movies or read in a screenwriting book. If you are using fiction, you want that fiction to grow from the truth, to be a metaphor from the truth. You don't want to build a bullshit cliche storyline we've seen before when right in front of you is a fascinating storyline that we've never seen before. Which brings me to the biggest place that Black Klansmen departs from the truth. And just a note, if you haven't already predicted them, there are some spoilers ahead. The biggest place that Black Klansmen departs from the truth is the big showdown at the end, when the cliché love interest gets caught up in the cliché bomb threat and the cliché hero has to save her from the cliché Ku Klux Klan bad guys. And of course, this is completely untrue. There was no bomb threat. There was no final action sequence. But what happened in the true life story was actually a whole lot more interesting and a whole lot more in line with Spike Lee's actual premise. The plan that Ron Stallworth had to stop was a plan for the Ku Klux Klan to infiltrate high-ranking military positions. The plan he had to stop wasn't a plan to blow up the building. It wasn't about the stuff that happens under the hood. The plan he had to stop was about the very problem that Spike Lee's trying to illuminate. The problem of what happens when the Ku Klux Klan, when white supremacy, takes off the hood and puts on the military uniform. What happens when the Ku Klux Klan takes off the hood and puts on a business suit? What happens when the Ku Klux Klan takes off the hood and steps into the leadership of the United States? And in fact, it was Ron Stallworth who got four military officials kicked out of the military after this investigation. This investigation was a success. But the way it's portrayed in the film is backwards, with the military officials happening with a bomb threat, when what happened in real life was an infiltration into the military in order to put a presentable look, a respectable look, on the unacceptable. So what's really interesting about what happened was that the Ku Klux Klan that he investigated wasn't arming themselves. The Ku Klux Klan that he investigated was hiding their guns and hiding their crosses and finding their way into mainstream society. And what's really interesting thematically was that the Black Power movement that he infiltrated was at a similar turning point. That in fact, just as we see in the movie, the speaker he went to listen to while wearing a wire did shake his hand. 
and tell him to arm himself. So what's really interesting is that the main character finds him in a place where the civil rights movement is questioning the role of violence, and the white supremacy movement is questioning the role of violence, and both are trying to find a way in a complicated society to get their goals met. And the completion of the film, if we look where we really are as a society, we do have a president who is nudge nudge wink winking at white supremacy. And we do have a civil rights movement in crisis, with America fracturing between left and right and with neither side actually able to see the other. The premise of Black Klansman is about as good of a premise as you can have for a movie, and the true story of Black Klansman is about as good of a true story as you can have in a movie. And if you've watched Black Klansman and you want to know what's true, pretty much everything else, all the most exciting stuff in that movie, all the stuff you actually connected to, all the stuff that you haven't seen before, that's the stuff that's true. The picture that Ron Stallworth takes with David Duke, that stuff is true. The fact that Ron Stallworth ends up guarding David Duke, that stuff is true. The fact that David Duke's visit coincided with the fake Ron Stallworth's induction to the Ku Klux Klan, that stuff is true. In fact, the police department was so cheap and saw this as such a low priority that they wouldn't pay for a Ku Klux Klan robe. So the white cop playing Ron Stallworth had to show up for his own induction without one. The stuff in the movie that's fascinating is true. The stuff in the movie that's boring is fake. So what does that mean for you? In your own writing, these fears that the truth sucks, these fears that your truth isn't good enough are going to come up all the time. These fears that if you show what really happened, it isn't going to fit in, it isn't going to be Hollywood, it isn't going to be exciting, people aren't going to buy it. These fears are going to come up for you. And it is true that as writers, we have to use art and craft to overcome the challenges of true stories. Because a lot of the truth in many true stories happens internally. And in movies, our job is to externalize those internal truths, to find ways to dramatize the truth, not the literal truth, but the emotional truth, the structural truth of what's happening inside the character. But before you start making something up, I want to make sure you run towards the truth. And if you're writing something that you've seen before, you can be pretty sure what you're saying isn't true. Because this is the cool thing about movies and the cool thing about human beings and the cool thing about the world. Everything in the world is weird. Everything in the world is just as weird as a black cop infiltrating the Ku Klux Klan. Nothing plays out the way you're expecting it. And what that means is that if you're seeing the stuff that's normal, if you're seeing the stuff you've seen before, if you're stereotyping, just like the characters in this film, you're simply not looking closely enough. Because if you simply look close enough and find the thing that's surprising to you, suddenly the truth comes out. Suddenly this thing that you've seen before becomes something fresh and new. So I want to end with one last idea from Black Klansman because I want to show you how you can do this even if you're stuck in a structure that's cliche, even if your producer insists on the cliche thing happening, even if you got a monologue you've seen before, an image you've seen in another movie, even if you're stuck with something that isn't entirely true. You can find the truth underneath and find a way to externalize that truth and bring it to the surface. So what we're going to talk about now is the very first monologue in Black Klansman. So we start off with this big set piece and then we cut to Alec Baldwin. And Alec Baldwin is playing a white supremacist making an informative film about white supremacy. And he's giving an impassioned monologue that quite frankly we've heard before. And it's disgusting and it's racist and it's everything disturbing you could ever imagine. It's everything you would ever fear someone like that would say. And it's a wonderful setting because it's happening as an instructional video, the kind you might remember from grade school. But the words he's saying, quite frankly, we've heard them before. We've heard this kind of monologue in other movies and sometimes in our writing and 
sometimes in our performances and sometimes working with producers and directors, we do get stuck with these cliche moments. And sometimes we're looking for that thing we haven't seen before and we simply can't find it. And that doesn't mean you've got to throw everything away. It just means you have to look a little closer, just run a little more closely towards the truth. And this is what Alec Baldwin does in his performance. And I don't know, I don't have the script, so I don't know if this is in the script or if this is in the performance, but it doesn't really matter because what this writer or what this actor does is look at the cliche monologue and find the truth underneath it. Find the specificity underneath it. And if you watch Alec Baldwin's performance, what's so fun about it is how he keeps on mispronouncing lines, clearing his throat, trying it again, doing another take, saying it in a different way. And the monologue becomes not about the cliche words that we've heard before, but instead about the personality of this guy who's trying to get it right. It becomes about the ego of this man who wants to be perceived in a certain way, who needs to have power in every moment, and who's trying to find just the right words to make his beliefs acceptable. So running towards the truth doesn't mean throwing out everything. It means looking more closely at what you have. Running towards the truth doesn't mean rejecting the thing your producer is demanding. It means trying to use that stuff that really happened and build from there. Running towards the truth doesn't mean not using fiction. It means allowing the fiction that you write to grow out of the truth of what actually happened. And sometimes running towards the truth means simply looking at each line and each moment and finding a little bit of specificity underneath. So I hope in your writing, whether you're writing a true life story adaptation, an adaptation of a novel, or even an adaptation of a dream or a memory or a nightmare, I hope that you, even when using fiction, will always run towards the truth. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. For a full transcript, to listen to over a hundred podcasts in our library, or to learn more about our screenwriting classes in New York City and online or our ProTrack mentorship program, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com.